Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. I'm so excited to have you for this episode. It's a saucy one. I have on (laughs) Ashley Renard, author of the book Swing, creator of the viral How to Keep Monogamy Hot video series. And I guess you could call her a coach too, kind of a coach for couples. She is referenced as the Carrie Bradshaw for married people. She's like helping us keep it hot in the bedroom, okay? She is a former swinger. She and her husband, um, not a title they back down from or run away run away from. In fact, um, in her book Swing, they dive into or she dives into their experience in great detail. So um, she talks about the lifestyle that they were living. Um, and she tells us in the uh, tells me in the course of the interview why why she is considered the world's worst swinger, and you'll you'll hear why in the, over the course of this interview. But we talk about the highs and lows of that experience, which, to be honest, is like pretty pretty out there. I feel like people talk about this stuff, or you see about you know you see it in movies or hear about it through the grapevine somehow. But I have never personally had a conversation with someone who's lived that lifestyle. And here's the shocker, boo. She says a lot more people than you think are doing this. I was like, what? Come again? Um, Anyway, we dive into all of the lessons learned from transitioning from that lifestyle, well, actually to that lifestyle, then back out of it. What she tells couples on how to keep their, their intimate life interesting and fun and romantic and, you know, not boring. Um, And, you know, it's funny because you talk to someone like Ashley and you see that she wrote a book called Swing and she's talking about the Swinger Life, like all these out there things. But when you get to talking with her about the lessons that she teaches people and how she coaches people, it actually comes down to some really, really basic things. Communication, connection, things that are at the root of any good relationship. And and you feel like it's going to be some secret. Like, okay, you've done all this crazy stuff, Ashley. Like, tell me what the secret is. And you want it to be this like big, wild, crazy thing you've never heard of. So you can run out and try it. And actually, it all comes down to some really basic building blocks. So she is so gracious to walk me through all of the like saucy, salacious parts of her life and her story, all the way down to the more mundane. Like what happens when she and her husband left the lifestyle and why she calls herself the world's worst swinger and why it kind of all exploded in a bad way. Um, so I, I just can't wait for you to listen to this interview. She is massively popular on social media and she's really great about, uh, you know, like if you reach out with questions on DM, she's in contact with people who follow her. I, I, I we talk about how she makes it a priority to, um, stay engaged with the community that she's creating. She says we create epic marriages. So, um, we love it. We're here for that. And we're here for conversations with people with all kinds of different lifestyles and lives. I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn, but like, I feel like I get the coolest guests here. And I hope that conversations with some of these people that you otherwise may have felt compelled to judge or to cast in a certain um, light, maybe open up your eyes to understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's just on the same page, trying their best. And, um, she just does such a great job through her storytelling of like distilling the lessons of what makes a great marriage and what made her marriage great. So um, enjoy the conversation. 
But Ashley, welcome to the show. How are you? Sunny, thank you so much for having me. Great. We were talking about kids and mm -hmm. my kids are teenagers now. Uh, well, two out of the three. I have a 15-year-old, 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old, all boys. And I was saying how I love teenagers. They are actually the easiest humans to communicate with because you have to cut the bullshit completely and drop your ego and be like, hey, how are you feeling? And you just have to like connect with them on whatever frequency they're at and go, hi. I'm here with you. Where do you want to go? Or, hey, this is where I think we should go. And you just got to like, you just ease them along. But you got, you, you have to drop the fucking ego. And that's okay. the hardest part. So, listen, we're not there yet. We're 10, 8, and 6. But I'm seeing whispers of, you know, the adults to come, the teenagers to come. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, and, and it is true that you have to like, I don't know, maybe you, you don't, but I feel like I have to change the game game plan for everyone. Like I reach every one of them in a little bit of a different way. And it's just, it's a lot. I mean, not, it's not bad. It's just a lot, you know? It is. You, you have to be on your toes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So before I left figure skating to focus on my writing, that was 2019, which, oh my God, the, the, I mean, for all of us, so much has changed in the last four years, right? But when I think it was just four years ago, it blows my mind a little bit. But I coached synchronized skating for 23 years. And I would tell my athletes, so at the biggest, I had 10 teams, 150 athletes every season. So what I would tell them is, I don't even pretend to treat you guys the same way. That's not what good leadership is. Good mm -hmm. leadership is seeing what people need and meeting them like at that frequency and going, okay, here's where you're at. I hear you, I see you. And then for most of us, that'll just calm our nervous system, right? When we really mm -hmm. feel like someone mm -hmm. gets us. Because mm -hmm. that's all that teenagers want. They just want to feel understood because like, they don't really understand themselves. And I mean, welcome to earth school, right? Like oh, even as an adult. I know. Um, and you think, you think, you know, when you're that age, you're like, you know what, when I'm an adult, I'm going to have all this shit figured out. And then you get to be an adult and you're like, who gave me the free day pass to the theme park? I have no fucking idea what I'm doing here. Like, yeah. I, I'm sometimes I'm like, does anyone else know that I have kids in a house and a mortgage and a car? Like this feels very strange. It's, it's, like, it wild. Feels, it's wild. It's wild. How it's wild. did how did those adults in the eighties and nineties like make it look like they had it together? <laughs> but know. it's right. I, I used to hold like my first two or twenty two months apart, and they didn't sleep. And I used to hold the two of them crying. Um, well, they were crying, and then maybe I would cry too. And I would look at the door and think, like, when is the real mom coming home? I know, I know, I know. Because this can't be, like, I am not equipped to handle all this. It's wild. I think that one of the first thoughts that I had on, on holding my son, he is my 10-year-old, was like, <gasps> thank you, mom. Like, holy shit, she did all this for me. Like, it just snapped into place that I had been hurt, you know, greatest joy, greatest pain, greatest challenge, greatest accomplishment. It, it like hit me like with the weight of my child. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Like, thank you, mom, because I am feeling like this is a big job and you did this for me. Like you got me to be an adult so I could do this. It's, it's just the trippiest thing. And I know people like roll their eyes at mom, mom talk or like parent, but it, it is such a humbling, hysterical experience that I, I don't know. I, I just, I love seeing how other parents do it out there. Humbling and hysterical would be two great words to just sum up being human. Because <laughs> I, I mean, really, really the humility, the humility lessons, the humility oh train keeps stopping by, right? It's crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're here, Ashley. Like I feel 
like this was a great way to sort of intro. We're going to be talking about things that, by the way, guys, if you are listening with your children in the car, don't just, you know, hit pause, come back later. But you deal in the realm of human relationships and um, senses and things that make us who we are, things we want that we don't talk about, how to make a great relationship when there might not be a great relationship to start. So you really do deal in the world and realm of emotions, relationships, and feelings, even in what you do with your career today. So tell us, like, I guess we lead off by asking what your official title is, because as both an author and a coach and a social media presence. I mean, you kind of cover everything, but it all focuses on sex and relationships pretty much. It does. It focuses on sex and relationships um, because that is the door in to having the hard, honest conversations that I really want to have. And I say, I'm a storyteller. I used to tell my stories on the ice. Now I use my words. So a uh, choreographer for 23 years and then uh, walked away from my life on the ice to focus on my writing and to really start telling the stories that I wanted to tell. And one of those stories was how I realized my marriage was not uh, the beautiful thing that I wish it was, uh, how I really had set up my life. Like I was raised in figure skating, okay, on the ice when I was two and a half years old. By the time I was six, I was on the ice six days a week. And I was on the ice six days a week then until I was like 39 years old. Like I had, I had a lot of plans in my life to tell stories and reach people. And then a lot of that, it all happened on the ice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realized, wow, I can do that in different places as well. Uh, so I say I took being a perfectionist mom to the next level as the world's worst attempted swinger. Like, I like living life on the edge. So I was like, how far can we push it? right? How much harder can we make parenting? I home birthed, my toddlers were growing their own vegetables. I like finished Pinterest, you know, like I made every cake. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, well working. Yeah. And, and, and my, my skating organization, I built it to one of the biggest in the world and still sunny, which I think a lot of people can relate to this. We have that feeling of being dissatisfied, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt very disconnected in my marriage. We were really good tag team parents because I worked so much and traveled so much for skating and he worked as well. So um, like on paper and in the day to day, we had things figured out like, like better than most people, as far as like both of us being hands-on parents and um, sharing responsibilities in the house. Um, And really I, I, I thought that our relationship was rock solid and I was like, yeah, we're not jealous. You know what the next highest level of difficulty would be in marriage would be non-monogamy. And that would be like exciting. We were looking for something just like to like blow off some steam, not even necessarily to hook up with other people, but just to start going to clubs for the experience. Um, We'd been passing babies back and forth for 10 years. Our littlest was a toddler at that point, could go for a sleepover with the older kids. Like we had this little taste of freedom, which I think, a lot of people can understand or a lot of people really, you know, that's like the light at the end of the tunnel in relationships that, you know, there's that very early phase. I think the honeymoon phase 
ends almost before the wedding day for a lot of people now. I mean, is there a honey? I mean, the honeymoon phase is literally the first two months of your relationship. Exactly. You know, that's it. And then whether exactly. you're married or, or dating at that time, whether you yes. eloped and you instantly start that or you're in a boyfriend, girlfriend Thank or whatever you. relationship. Yeah. Thank it's you. just, it, it's non-existent really. It's so brief. It's, it's so, so brief. brief. Mm -hmm. It like gets us like in the bed and maybe sharing an apartment or whatever. Like it gets us like very bonded and then and and we put on our best face right we put on our we are the most hopeful version of ourselves during that time and i think that that's the thing because we're so willing to be like i want to fit in with this person i want to see if like we are a fit together that mm -hmm. we're very willing to be moldable and we're willing to be influenced right and that's the thing that as the years go on and as resentments build up or as dissatisfaction, you know, there's a thick crust or at least a thin crust. There's a crust mm -hmm. of dissatisfaction over mm -hmm. like what you really wanted your dreams to be with this person. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just like, okay, but the real estate market is this or my job is this. And then sometimes you look at them and go, but I think this is your fault, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I help people pick apart, wait, what is your partner's responsibility? What is your responsibility? Um, and how can we create an environment? How can we create a dynamic where everybody feels safe asking for what they really want, even when, and, and Sunny, this is the big thing. Everyone feels safe saying no or yes to their partner's requests in and outside the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's, it's a bad dynamic outside the bedroom that then leads to like miscommunications in the bedroom. Well, it's interesting because your book swing opens. The scene is in a swingers club. I think you said it was New York city. What? You're in line. I mean, this is all true, right? You it like, is, hook up, you, you hook up like with this guy in the bathroom. Because I met then, him like, in the hall. Like I met him in line. And then I make it out with him in the bathroom. And then I go out and I'm like, oh, and see, I'm holding my chapsticks. My lips are always chapped. And then I go up. I, I, I'm making out with this guy. He's so hot, Sunny. Okay. And this club looks like the cast, a casting call for The Bachelor. It was an invite-only club. So we had to send in headshots and a relationship bio to get on the guest list. Okay. I mean, what does the relationship bio include for a swingers club? Like, we just want to sleep with other Like, what does it include that gets you in? Just feels like, think... well, you know why we're coming, right? <laughs> It's it's to say like are are you all an actual couple? Actually, it right. was similar. It was similar in some ways to my green card application because I'm Canadian. <laughs> like, wait, like, are you, prove you want to be here, bitch. Are you real? Are you <laughs> yeah. real, or is it just yeah. like a man coming with a like with with a sex worker or something? Like, sure. right? Like, because sure. they want they want the vibe there to be like committed couples, adult couples, right? Whether they're married or not. Um, that that's the understanding when you walk into a swingers sex club okay and and swinging is this very specific type of non-monogamy that like very few people actually do it's like when you swap partners right but this is what i found at clubs is that a third of the people there are not even there to have sex they are just there for the atmosphere okay the atmosphere then they're gonna go home and have sex so like at a at a sex club like, and for your listeners or your viewers, for your viewers, some of us saw eyes wide shut. A lot of us saw eyes wide shut back in the 90s. And I have to tell mm -hmm. you, sex clubs in real life are way hotter than that. Like, really? way, there was way like a, sexier. Okay, there were hot people there, also 
creepy vibes, like with the masks and like are people hiding their face? It was like it, it was it read a little creepy to me and eyes wide shut. It, it, so it, it is. It was creepy and ritualistic and yes, costumey. Yes, it was ritualistic. Mm -hmm. And some people may be into that kind of thing. Um, I just want good athletic sex. Honestly, <laughs> I'm a choreographer and I'm an athlete. I just want to see like, I just want to see like. Oh, that's a great position. Oh, that's great timing. I was like, I should have been an orgy choreographer because I was like, oh, 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 this is how you can get a better time with your partner, right? Wait, <laughs> I'm dying. Ashley, what? Okay, you, for people who haven't read the book, please walk us through the rest of that night. For people who aren't yeah. familiar with your story, I mean, are you actually having sex with these people that you're meeting? What the hell did your husband say at the yeah. end of it? And I just, all of it, go. Just start. Okay, so I'm you the have world's- the next 30 minutes. I'm, I'm the world's worst attempted swinger, okay? I tried to get laid so, so hard, so hard. And I, I like fucked it up in every way. Like, I, like swing is the, is the complete idiot's guide for what not to do in the swing lifestyle. So there are a lot of people in my audience who are scared to read it because they think it's gonna make them a swinger. I assure you it will not. I assure you. It's not exactly a cautionary tale and people who are, who are polyamorous or are in the ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy, those are two different terms for like the swing lifestyle or any kind of arrangement that's like off the beaten path of mainstream monogamy, right? Mm. Um, like maybe people will just uh, make out with someone. And that's what happened that night. That's what happened that night is we met up with another couple. We made out with them and then we had sex right beside them in the club. Okay. And then there was another couple having sex right there beside us. And I would say technically that was an orgy that I was part of. Technically I would say bucket list. <laughs> Orgies on a bucket list. Check that one off the list, buddy. I would say, because, because when I was having sex with my husband, I leaned over and I saw this really cute couple from earlier in the night. The guy had this long, kind of curly, shaggy hair. I was like, oh yeah, he's cute. And I leaned over and I kind of leaned in like slowly, like to kiss him. And um, he kind of like, like turned his face, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then his wife kissed me. Okay, she like leaned right in to kiss me and I was like, okay. All right, I'm, I'm into men, not so much women, but like, Sunny, they're so soft. Like kissing a woman, oh my gosh, like no. We're well moisturized, Ashley. We, are we so, take well, care of ourselves. Well, Sunny, after I started going to swinger sex clubs and I touched a woman's thigh for the first time, I was like, what the hell kind of lotion is she using? Like, I need to would, up that my would game. Be, I'd be like, oh my God, you have no wrinkles. Like, what face cream are you using? I know. Well, that, and that's the, that's the cool thing there, that the vibe between women at a club is very welcoming and very friendly. It's not creepy. It's not this competitive nature. Like, if you come in looking hot, they're like, oh my God, you look so hot. Thank you for being here. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, so... Yeah, I, I was like, I'm using a better lotion and I'm using it after every shower, right? Like that's the one of the important, that's one of the lasting lessons from, from hooking up with a woman. You, you take uh, away, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the different things that can happen at a club are like soft swap is what they call it. Like if there's kissing or, or touching or like, or even oral, and then there's full swap is if you're actually having intercourse with someone else. Okay, okay, so here's the question. Inquiring yes. minds want to know, and I think that's a good point you bring up, is like people um, don't even want to talk about this stuff because they're like, oh my God. Well, even if I ask a question, they're going to think that I'm interested and my husband and I are fine and we don't really, uh, I, listen, I 
think it's an interesting topic. You don't have to want to do it to understand what this world is all about. And every neighborhood, every city in America, Everyone. there's always there's always that those whispers around. Oh, like you know, it's it's at this location, or I heard it at this house. So wow. like, let's just like not make this a weird thing because people are going to be like, oh my god, I can't even listen to this because if I listen to this episode, someone's going to think that. I- no, we're just curious. <laughs> no one's going to think. Okay. Listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. If you were listening to a, su- a successful swinger for how to, um, but yeah, I'm the opposite of that. So I'm going to tell you all the great things about the lifestyle. First of all, it well, is did sexy. You, yeah, I was going to say. Okay, tell us, and then I'm going to know is, like what you came is, away with lesson wise too. Ooh, okay, so here here are the best things about going to a sex club or experimenting in non monogamy. It is so hot. It is so hot. Even before we went to a club, we were we already had our hands all over each other in a way that we hadn't before because we were talking about doing this risque thing together. Esther Perel calls it the buzz of transgression. Even before you do something different, there's like oof, there's like this heightened awareness because like there's this kind of taboo that you're you're talking about together. And I mean honestly, when you when you've been married for a decade and you're passing kids back and forth and carpooling. Like there's not a lot of stuff that feels like a little dangerous or risque, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. your, your danger signals go off when like your toddler's going to like smack their head on something. Right. It's like, it's like not in like the sexy danger, that whole area is sort of like shut down. Right. Um, you know, you've been having sex with the same person for a decade. Like what, when was the last time you even tried something new? Right. So just talking about it, um, our connection and our attraction to each other. And we always had good sex. We're, we're athletes and I'm a choreographer. I give really good instructions. So I'm like higher, like, lower, back, forth, change, kick five, down. six, seven, eight, climax. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, knowing your body and being bossy in bed are like two two things that like really really help. And then your partner has to actually listen, right? I feel like those are easy quick tips too. I mean, like everybody knows. And you might not like to say what you like. I don't know why women get very shy around that, but I do I feel like if you're looking for better sex now, I mean, that seems like an easy quick tip. Know your body, know what you like and talk about and it. And listen, honestly, and if you and your partner can't talk about sex outside the bedroom, then you shouldn't be having sex. You shouldn't be. A lot of people just have sex and never talk about it. And that's something that I didn't realize, Sunny, until I started yeah. sharing, sharing about this. And people started opening up to me, like, you know, hundreds of DMs a day sometimes. People asking me things about their sex life that they've, they've never asked to anybody. Because so when, when you did come back from that experience, and, and was that the only time you guys experimented in that way? And what, what is it like now? I think... Um, like a lot of people's fear is that going into that world of transgression, like you said, while titillating and while exciting can feel dangerous to a point of destroying a relationship. I have heard many women say, oh my God, I would want to murder my husband if I saw him even looking in the direction of another woman. So tell us what your experience was like after that and why or why not you went back to it. Yeah. So we went to a lot of clubs and we even started dating another couple because the first time the first time I kissed another man at a club, Sonny, I mean, I really look like I had it together, right? Like I just tripled the size of my business, these three beautiful children, you know, the Christmas, like all of that. Like I could have flown under the radar of like, you know, in in that wholesomeness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
But the first time I kissed another man, he whispered into my mouth, oh my God, you're so hot. And I realized my husband hadn't even told me that I looked nice probably for seven years. Oh my God, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. Well, it, it is it, awful. Un, well, and it unlocks something in you. You were like, still got it. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, he maybe says that to his wife. Like, I really thought that really demonstrative love and like affection was really for fairy tales and teenagers. I had a mm -hmm. super affectionate, super emotional, verbal high school boyfriend. And I was like, yeah, that, that stuff, it doesn't like fly. Like it couldn't even last to like university. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I had sort of like signed up to be a grown up. Like when I was 17 years old, moved out of my house, moved to a new country alone when I was 21, like super independent, right? And I don't need, I don't need all that. We're like good partners. So I had really created this narrative, um, pushing my needs down and being like, no, 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 I'm really good. We're even better than other people. Cause like, we, we uh, better than other people. We are, our relationship is super solid because we don't have fights. I had, I had really convinced myself that the way we pushed things down and under the rug was a great thing. But when we got into that environment, I realized, holy shit, I have overestimated the strength of our marriage and underestimated the complexities of this lifestyle. I really thought it was going to be like a recreational thing that was going to be fine for both of us because we weren't jealous. No, I'm actually definitely looking for way more, which I didn't realize till I got there. But every time we would go to a club, Sunny, whether we were meeting um, people there who we, we were like dating or we went on our own, the environment, the sexiness of the environment is so heightened that then for we would have great sex there, whether it was out in front of people. Okay, I'm a Libra and a former figure skater. So you like, surprise, I'm an exhibitionist, right? Like I, li <laughs> I liked that. I was like, wow, ha having an orgasm while people are watching, it's like, well, like turn up that dial of intensity, right? It was so intense. And then that memory would like keep us going at back home too, right? Mm -hmm. Even if we just went there and had great sex with each other, then we would come home and we'd be remembering this, remembering that, we'd have our hands all over each other. Um, but then it would fade out, of course. So then we would wanna go to a club again. And then I was like, okay, this is really sexy, but also being in another room with another couple, um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So one of the sexiest experiences we ever had with another couple, Sunny, I wasn't able to climax. And I was like, wait a minute, this is so hot, but it's like, there's so much that I just, you know how you need to like be in the mind space, the head space, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, wait a minute, do I wanna be doing all of this to not get that? Cause I, I feel like that climax is gonna feel so amazing with this person who, who really is so into me in a way that like, my husband likes having sex with me, but like his, his body tells me that, but having words tell me like, oh my God, you're amazing. It was, I mean, it, I was a puddle that, of mush pretty soon. Sure. Well, did your husband start incorporating that into your relationship after? Like, was it a lesson in as much as you came back and you were like, hey, listen, I just realized that it does matter to me hearing X, Y, Z or, yeah. or like, is there something you're pulling from that experience? Well, you know, at first, no. And the fact he didn't, he didn't bring, he didn't like up that part, right? Right. And that was hard, especially when this couple we were dating, I was getting 
more and more connected. Like I totally fell in love with this other guy. Like I did everything wrong, Sonny. Like oh like God. caught feelings and he caught feelings for me. Like it was just like exactly what you shouldn't do. So that's when I realized, holy shit, my marriage is really not as strong as I thought it was. And my own, my own mental fortitude is not what I thought it was. Like I thought I would be able to like you know, press stop when I wanted to or whatever. But I was like, wow, I'm getting really caught up in this. So we decided we were not going to, we were going to pull back. We weren't going to go to clubs anymore. We were going to stop dating this couple, which was really hard because I was really very attached to him. We never had sex because his wife started, even though they had been in the lifestyle for a while and they were actually dating another couple, his connection with me was so imbalanced compared to like, her attraction to my husband and my husband's attraction to her was like very minimal. They were just like going along, which mm -hmm. dating another couple is just as confusing and just as complicated as you would think. It's yeah, I, I, I'm hearing this and I'm like, oh my God. I mean, like, can barely handle one other person. Uh, in the uh, well, I, I know. So then I said, no, 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 we need to focus on our own relationship. And that was really that was really hard leaving leaving that excitement of the lifestyle and not knowing if my husband was ever going to be able to step up in an emotional like with emotional intelligence to go with our already great you know tag team parenting to go with mm -hmm. our great sex life i was like i know we have good things here but there's this other part this real like emotional intimacy that like like i said he hadn't even told me i looked nice for years when I would say I love you, he would say goodnight. Like he was really shut down emotionally and he's Greek, right? Raised in a traditional Greek family. So the fact that he cooks meals for our kids already like skyrocket, like boom, 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 boom. He's like the best dad in the history of Greek civilization, right? And therefore <laughs> the, best, the best husband. Like the bar for what men are expected to do in a relationship is very, very, very low in some families right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very, very low. Um, so, and being raised by a Greek mother, I, I wish everybody could be raised by a Greek mother for like one year of their life. Be a boy raised by a Greek mother so that like you never have confidence issues in your life. It's like, you're like a goddess. You're, you're as strong as Hercules. It's like, it's just, you're, you're saying this to a woman, an Italian woman who's raising a son and we have the same horrible reputation. I have to say, Listen, well, Italian-American, I should say. And I, I have friends from Italy who say, you know, it's even more intense, like in actual Italy. But I mean, you know, we came over with some old world concepts. Now, I'm one of two girls, so we didn't see that firsthand. But I... Okay, I so you're one that. of two girls in an Italian family. He is the youngest of three boys in a Greek oh family. Oh my God, he's probably just worshipped. Okay, so, so oh, but, just, but just see, worshipped. I would think so, that would make him more... Um, in tune with his emotion or like seeing a mother who was demonstrative in a way then in turn teach him okay it's important to show our feelings and you know share our emotions or i would think it would like lend itself to that type of behavior what it did was it really cemented the idea that feelings are for women mm. that's, that's what interesting it did. that's that, interesting that feelings are for women and women's feelings are very big and there's not much space for the feelings of everybody else so just mm -hmm. like yes just Yes, the talking Go woman. Go and along to get Turn on. around and just do whatever you want. Yeah. Because yeah. you're never going to make them happy because they're always like that's the. I told him this isn't very funny, but my joke is that being raised in a Greek Orthodox family, he was trained his whole life to ignore the sound of a woman's voice. 
Well, you might not be wrong. I mean, in a matriarchal world, again, a matriarchal world where I, how I grew up, you're right. You either, they either are, women are worshiped and bowed down to, or they're like, okay, there's mom again. Just shut up and just let her get through. And then we'll go along with what we want to do. And we will do what we want because she's <laughs> yeah. just going to run, 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 run. Like, it's yes. like, it's like they think women have a certain quota of words they need to just say every day and a certain <laughs> like amount, like a whole vat of emotion they need to just spew. Uh, and it's like, Funny. and it's like, no, that's like, it's almost like it's an, like the menstrual cycle. Oh, they have this buildup and they have to, no, this is, this is like humans, humans showing yep. you how to connect and asking mm-hmm. for connection. Mm-hmm. And we all need it, especially my husband, especially my boys. Like we all need it. So leaving that lifestyle and then being like so ashamed hmm. to realize, holy shit, this marriage that I thought was really fucking great wow, I fooled myself in a lot of ways to say like, that's okay, that's okay, right? Because like, I just want everything to be okay and I want people to get along. And I'm just like, we're hardwired for cooperation. How, why is this so hard, right? And the thing is, it's hard when not bo- when both people don't have the same willingness to be influenced mm-hmm. and to have their mind changed. And I am really, really far on that spectrum in my willingness to have my mind changed. Like I said, I worked with teenagers for over two decades. You, you can't be stubborn right. and facilitate cooperation with 20 teenage girls at 6 a.m. at the rink. Like ice time is fucking expensive. Mm. Can I curse on here, Sunny? <laughs> yes, ice time. Yes. Ice time is fucking expensive. So if two athletes weren't getting along with each other, I would have to say, hey, what's up with you? What's up with you? Oh, okay, well, congratulations. Here's all your common ground. There's actually not a bad guy here. You're yeah. actually asking for the same thing. Mm-hmm. You guys good? And they're like, yeah, we're good. And they'd go off and fucking make magic on the ice, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, you have to be able to drop the ego. Right. And I think in marriage, we come in with these different... Um, we come in with these different playbooks and quite often we don't even compare them. Like I was raised in a really progressive Canadian home. Um, so I came in with like men and women are equal, duh. Like mm-hmm. all, like my mom ran a business and my dad ran a business. All my aunts ran a business and my uncles, quite often my aunt's businesses would be more successful than my uncle's businesses, right? <laughs> but like they would, it was like, oh, all hands on deck, right? right. My grandma, my grandma Yvonne, fucking amazing woman. She passed last February, okay, so just over a year. She raised five boys basically by herself, okay? Wow. And incredible husbands, fathers, cooks, business owners, blah, right? So that's how I came into this relationship. And then Manny, my husband, came in with like, men are treated like guests in their own homes and that's just the way it should be but you know what i'm gonna do a little bit more than my dad did and i'm like oh you know gold star Mm -hmm. and really but what it did was like his stock rose and anytime he would help with the kids my stock dropped so that's i know exactly that feeling yes well yes because society tells us that even though we should get out there and exactly like you said earn and start businesses and and make our way in the world individually somehow we're also expected to bear the majority of the burden at home and when you begin to naturally because you can't do everything drop something at home once in a while to take care of things outside of the home you're the bad mom whereas when the husband steps up it's like well i can't even believe it congratulations you're dad of the year you know it it really is difficult to to be a woman and have aspirations beyond the home it's tough it is and i mean 
listen, I've always wanted to be a mom and a wife, but like I've worked two jobs since I was 11. Like my mm -hmm. career has always been, like my first job out of college, I already had six years experience in the field. Mm -hmm. I had, I, I took a job, I have a degree in exercise physiology and I took a job in New Jersey as a trainer. And I was, I left a position as the assistant strength coach for Team Canada Women's Volleyball. Like wow. I trained Olympians when I was 21 years old, right? Like this is That's... what I've, I've always done big things in my career because mm -hmm. it just like, that's where my passion is. That's where I can reach people. It lights me up. Um, so to have, to marry into a family where like my career was like at best seen as a hobby is like, it's still a struggle, right? Mm -hmm. So all the things we need to pull apart in order to have relationships of integrity and, and my book swing and my content online, how to keep monogamy hot, my podcast, keeping it hot is like, it's sexy and it's funny, but it's sexy and funny so that you can stomach the amount of honesty it takes to live a relationship of integrity because it takes a lot of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. It takes looking at the parts of yourself that you don't really want to look at. You know, people call it shadow work, but it's just like, instead of pushing things down, really taking a look. Right. So what's this, the, not the ending, because I don't want to say you guys are obviously like still going strong. What was the ending to that story? So you get out of the lifestyle, you guys realize yes. after taking a hard look in the mirror individually and together, these are the things that we work on. How did it get better? And yep. what do you notice now that was not the couple before you went to your first club? Yeah. Okay. So it was really lonely when we left the lifestyle because I was like, oh, holy shit, that's not healthy. Like I'm feeling mm -hmm. like a crazy person, like really, really, um, uh, the distraction and the highs and the lows. And like, I was getting like 200 text messages a day from mm -hmm. this, from this guy. Like we were just like, like it was very it was like a high school intense. It sounds like. A oh, intense so intense. Affair. So mm -hmm. intense. And I mean, I didn't even have text messaging in high school. Right. So it was like my first like crazy wild, yep. Um, infatuation, like in the digital age, right? Sexting mm -hmm. and all of that. So mm -hmm. it felt very lonely because I was like, holy shit, I'm never going to get this in my, or can I ever get this in my marriage? I don't know. And my husband was like, not really willing to do very much work and didn't, wasn't that emotionally upset that I would just fallen in love with someone else. So I was like, this deck is not stacked in my favor. Like, what the hell are we going to do? But I had meditated for a long time. My spiritual practice really came into play when I had my first son 15 years ago. Before that, I was like such a skeptic, like agnostic, atheist. I was like, there's nothing supernatural. And then when he was born, all of a sudden, Sonny, I could see and feel the connection between all living things, past, present, future. And I was like, this is fucking awkward. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. Hi there. What's, what is this? So I started reading and meditating. So then 10 years later, when we leave the clubs and I'm like, holy shit, I can't even tell anybody what happened. I didn't even tell any of my friends. Nobody knew anything because I felt so ashamed that then my trust with my girlfriends would be broken. Like they would think I was looking at their husband or something when like, it wasn't, it wasn't that, but there's right. this code, right? Especially when you're married that like, okay, so then now, we are all safe from you as a as a sexual threat right because like you know we're we have it locked down with someone else um so i was really on my own doing the work meditating journaling being like oh my god how can i ever feel happy again i wish i could go back to the before times and like be like i'm fine not having this kind of emotional connection or this like affirmation right like he doesn't need to say it i know how he feels 
Um, but honestly, I was like, no, no, no. There, there's part of me that like is dying every day, not having that. And I need to bring that part to the surface and go, I'm sorry, little part of me that I was really ignoring. And so I started just like, just dousing that part of me with love, writing mostly, like love letters to myself, Sunny, like from my husband, love letters to myself for myself, love letters to myself for my kids. Mm-hmm. Because in the middle of this, I was like, I am such a fucking train wreck. And listen, I was still showing up at the rink every day, you know, with uh, coaching hundreds of athletes a week. But I was thinking, oh my God, I'm so, I'm doing so poorly at all my jobs. Coaching, skating, being a mom. I, ha, how can I, how can I be the kind of wife I want to be again? Cause like, I feel so, I just feel so my heart is broken by mm-hmm. like my husband, not really caring that I'm falling in love with someone else. So it was like, it was dark and very lonely. And in swing, I hint at the darkness and pe- people who have really been through depression, when they get to that part in the book, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You were having a hard time. Cause you know, you, when you, when you've had the taste of that, you can, you can read between the lines. For months and months, I just went into my own work, which I wish I could say was like, oh, it was like like a spa. No, it was like like a crucible. You know what I mean? It was like just like crying and it, it, like every day I would like half meditate, half pray, half beg, cry. Like I'd be like, mm. what what do I need to do, right? But it started becoming clearer and clearer when I just started tr- trusting myself more because I felt so alone that I had to be like. I can't ask anybody else their opinion. I just need to go with, wait, what do I feel is true? And then from there, I started, I started nurturing the part of myself that the parts of myself that really needed it. And I started really getting to a place where I was like, oh, wait, I am more certain of Mm -hmm. what I bring to the table professionally, what I bring to the table in this relationship, where I am a fucking amazing mom, you know, like really those parts of me where I, I was where I really feel confident and competent started lighting up. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't have everything figured out, but I know these fucking things and Mm -hmm. I'm certain of them. And instead of feeling so guilty about being unsure about my marriage and being like, I don't know, I don't know if I can stay in this. I don't know if I can be happy in this marriage, but what about the kids? I started looking at it in a different way. And I was like, wait a minute, for us to pretend that we're hitting it out of the park, when we're really barely like in t-ball here with our emotional Mm -hmm. connection in our marriage is a disservice to our kids. Like it would be better for us to say to our kids, hey guys, mommy and daddy are good at a lot of things. Like we're really good at figuring out finances. We're really good at like, you know, co-parenting, sharing things, but like our emotional relationship, like this isn't what we want you to think the gold standard is Mm -hmm. for, for relationship. Like we don't know how to do this and we would love we hope when you guys grow up that you figure it out and we can learn from you. And mm-hmm. so I had this conversation with my husband and I was like, listen, I think it might be the greatest gift to them for us to go our separate ways and say, listen, we're, let's just take an L on the marriage. Like we couldn't figure out that part. You know what I mean? Like all the while, Ashley, what is he saying? Is he saying, I want to stay in this relationship or is he also on the fence and kind of questioning like you are? He wants to stay in the relationship, wants to stay, yeah. wants to stay, wants to stay. And, but here's the thing that I get a lot of my DMs from men too, Sunny. I think a lot of men want a family unit, Mm -hmm. period, but they don't want 
to do the work necessary to have a really great relationship with their wife. They're like, I love my wife. I would never leave her. But then in the next sentence, they'll be like, and she, you know, she leaves her coworkers holding the bag or she's irresponsible this way or that way. I'm like, wait a minute, stop. You love your wife, but here I am, a stranger. And what you're doing is you're actually telling me how little you respect your wife. Like really, so you love the idea of having a wife and kids. And this is the thing in a patriarchal society, men collect people, Sunny. Yeah. Oh, look at my beautiful wife, look at my beautiful kids, right? Oh, congratulations on that beautiful, congratulations on the your high school graduation for your kid. How many times did they actually help with homework? How many times yeah. did they like, you know, help with decisions? That's the thing that like men get a, boy for very mm -hmm. little historically as far as like a family goes so depending what kind of families you guys are coming from like you know I'm talking about like two people married here right. in the 2020s um, it could, there could be like so many underground things so that was the thing for my husband he was like I'm pretty sure I already do enough like more than enough I, I'm pretty sure like I'm already fucking doing a great job mm -hmm. and I was like well depends what our standards are right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Depends what our standards are. And I have higher standards for emotional connection and intimacy. So, but it was when I said that and I was, it wasn't an ultimatum. It was like, oh, I really think things would be better if we just went our separate ways and said, listen, we really tried at that part, but I don't know. We just, we just didn't do a very good job at that. Right. And just owning that. That's when things shifted. This was years ago. That's when things shifted. It was like, my voice was off mute, right? Mm. And he like started hearing me, which was actually really annoying because I'd been doing all this work on my own for so long. But he really did shift and he really did step up. That's the thing. All of us have the capacity to change in enormous ways, enormous, enormous ways. But it's the fear that we have. And, and listen, this is the thing that a lot of people are not willing to look at. Why am I afraid of stepping out? Why am I afraid of demonstrating a different behavior? Why am I afraid? Sometimes it's because we don't think we're gonna be good at it. Sometimes it's because we feel disloyal to someone else. Like, I think my husband has some deep buried disloyalties he feels to his father by, by stepping up and being a dad in a different way than his dad was. Mm -hmm. By stepping up and being emotionally connected. Because here's the thing that a lot of people feel. If, even if it's not our, autopilot nature or our more na most natural nature, Sunny, when we step up into a better version of ourselves, that fear of outshining can be really enormous. It can be like, I am disrespecting the people who loved me or took care of me because mm -hmm. I am doing, I'm doing it a different way. Yeah. Doing it a different way, right? Doing it a different way. And they're, you know, there are all the reactions that we get sometimes from moms or mother-in-laws when we're like raising our kids differently than they did. Like, oh, do you not think I did a good job? Right? There's just, people are very self-conscious about others making changes, mm -hmm. right? And in some families, like my husband's family, nobody has ever even moved away. Like not one cousin mm -hmm. in like either side of the family, the whole generation has like moved out of this like little area around Philadelphia, right? Um, so, for in some families it's harder than others for in every family it's hard to do something new but for different reasons right right, like, right. and just really being aware with of what we come in with those like uh those assumptions that right. really are like shackles for us yeah our, i mean our the way we're raised can be the greatest blessing and our strongest foundation and also our like hardest 
shackles to like break. So I, I get that. Well, so where do things stand now? Like when you look back and it's been a journey and not only are you guys changing your relationship as a result of the lessons you've learned, but now, like you said, you're helping other people. So like, where do you stand now? How are things like, would you ever go back and change what you guys went through? I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. It was so painful. And also, like I said, I like, I like living on the edge. Like I, I want to learn lessons so that I am certain of them. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I want to go through life collecting certainties. And I mean, honestly, that's a fool's errand, right? But like, <laughs> I just want to get closer to like, wait a minute, I know these things are true. I want more things on like my truth uh, my truth plate to go, wait a minute. No, no, I know, I know this is true. Like for, because when I, when I get unsettled, I can go like, oh my God, I, I need to do everything to fix everything. And, and when I can just come back mm. to that thread of truth, it helps calm my nervous system and really know where I should go forward. So here's the honest truth is that marriages can continue to require renovations because every time you get to a different place in your career or in your health or in your aging, or here's the big change for us, our oldest entered high school last fall. So parenting a teenager together, a teenage boy, especially when my husband was a very worshiped teenage boy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is an interesting dynamic. So it, like the renovations have to continue. And mm -hmm. that's the thing that I want people to know. It's like, it's like living in a house for a decade without updating it. Like there are things that need that need to be changed and things get a little messy, right? Sure. During I mean, the renovation. And on that note, and I know you have, you are, you seem to be, because I know you share a lot of like screenshots of exchanges you have with people um, yes. on social media who reach out. You're very generous with your wisdom. It's not like, hey, here's a link to my ebook, buy it. So I, I, I appreciate seeing you interact with, with people like that. But when you are advising people in long-term relationships, how to keep things hot, how to keep things interesting, what is that base advice that you give them? Okay, so base advice. Listen, you have to have a conversation. I think if you wanna be good at something, you need to be talking about it twice as much, twice as much time as you're doing it, okay? If you want your sex life to be better, talk about sex twice as much as you're actually doing it. If you can't talk about it, then you can't have sex again. Listen, no, not until you talk about it. Outside the fucking bedroom, outside the bedroom, mm -hmm. because people try to bring things up in the bedroom. And it's just not the best time to bring it up. Okay, so outside yeah. the bedroom, this is what I say. If you want to spice it up in the bedroom, text your partner today and say, hey, babe, hey, honey, whatever you call them. I have something kind of awkward I want to talk to you about. Do this on purpose. Listen, I am the master of disarming people so we can have cooperation, right? Like I'm like a mm -hmm. cooperation whisperer. So listen to my instruction, text them. Hey, I want to talk to you about something that's kind of awkward. Do you want to do this over text or do you want to talk later? First off, your partner is going to think that like you cheated on them or you have cancer or something. So when you say. They're like, oh no, what does she find what, out? What is it? You're like, you're called to the principal's office. Yeah. And it's like, I just want to, I just, I just want to change up. I just want to spice it up a little in the bedroom. Can we, you know, just want to talk about spicing it up a little bit. A lot of times for women, they'll be like, oh my God, does he want me to do something fucking crazy? Because listen, listen. Men think they are wild men in the bedroom. Most men have never had something stuck up their ass. They've never used a toy. Their idea of being wild in the bedroom is doing more creative things to their partner's body. Not oh, you're own. so wild. So just like, right? And they'll be like, oh yeah, my wife's so uptight. I'm the wild one. And it's like, do you even let that's her lick not, your that's nipples? Yeah, do you even say. let her lick your nipples? 
okay, Mr. Wild Man. So that's the thing, like, that's what I talk about. We gotta, we gotta even the playing field. We have to start having honest conversations here or else it's gonna be like, the, the women are gonna have to do like, dress up and do this and blah, blah, blah. That's poor. That is true, Ashley. That is true. When we think about spicing up our sex life, it always falls on the woman. Okay, go get some sexy lingerie or go get a bikini go do wax. More. Go or do go. And, and so okay. I have never heard anyone say it like you're saying right now. Maybe it involves you doing something. Exactly. Because, and that's, that, that is the thing that we are slanted. We are like, men are already assumed to be the more sexual ones. They're assumed mm -hmm. to be the more risque ones. And it's, in a lot of cases, it's a load of bullshit. So like looking honestly at your relationship, right? Um, and it's, it's just so easy for men to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, sex is because of me, blah, blah. Okay, text your partner and then this is what I recommend. Come up with a quickie script. If you only have 20 minutes to have sex and you want to climax, what are the things that you want to happen? Okay, so do you want to use a toy? Do you want to have some oral? Is there a certain position you want to be in? I love the magic wand or the Hitachi wand because it makes it so much easier to climax during intercourse in different positions. What is and, that? Um, I wish I had it. Is uh, it like a, a, a toy or a device? It's a toy, a very okay. big, a very big toy. It's like a massager and it's just for external use. Okay. And it's okay. really helpful. A lot of my audience are Christians and they've never used toys. And they're like, we, we waited till marriage and sex isn't fucking good. We, what, are, what do we need to do? And it's like, okay, well, a whole bunch of things, but let's start here. Um, and it's not a phallic looking toy. That's the thing. It doesn't look like a big cock. It looks yeah. like a massager. <laughs> so it's like less, I don't know, for people who have a hang up around bedroom electronics, it's right. easier. Okay, right. so it's like you wouldn't be embarrassed if like a, someone opened up your top drawer and they'd be like, oh, what could this be? Is it right, a hands right, massager? Right, right, it's a, it's a massager, right? Yeah. And it's not like, oh, I'm using something to substitute for my husband's penis because like right. some Christians get really worked up with that. Okay, but here, quickie script, what are the things that you want? And then come up with a long sexy date night script. Like if you had two hours to have sex, now listen, two hours to have great sex, like wedding night sex, if sex was actually awesome, what would you want to do? And then once a month, send the kids for a sleepover with the, with the grandparents or find a friend who you can like have their kids overnight, one night a month and you can have theirs. Mm -hmm. Then go out for an early dinner, dress up, have, you know, come back, have a drink, have a gummy, whatever you want, whatever gets you in the mood. And then decide, okay, yeah, we're going to start in the living room. Then we're going to take a shower together, a sauna. Then we're going to be in the bedroom. This Move is, it around. Move it around the house a little bit. And this is the night yeah. that my husband will climax twice. So he'll climax first, and then I'll get three or four orgasms, and then he'll finish again, okay? So, and he, he loves that. It feels like the king of the world, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, this, it's this night that's just around like that, that connection. And we stay off our phones when we're out for dinner, and we stay off our phones on the way back. And like, that's a way too that, that, you know, you, if we're having sex once or twice a week, you know, like around like the kids schedules and everything, we know that it's not always going to be rushed mm -hmm. and that, you know, like I say once a month, once a month that you take that time and, and you really connect and you try new things. And, and usually that night we don't even use toys. I call it mm. like sort of like an acoustic performance, right? Because like unplugged, when, unplugged. Because when you have more time, 
the climaxes yeah. come easier and stronger. Mm -hmm. It and is it so mental for women to, I mean, like, I, I hate to lean too much into stereotypes, but they're, they're there for a reason. And it is true. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm coming down from putting the kids to bed. You can't flip the switch in the brain and just be like, I'm just like, I need to be alone. Don't fucking touch me. Exactly. Been, and, but like, a lot of women will still say yes and then fake and an then, orgasm during that. Yeah, that's not good. No, stop faking. Stop faking. Never fake. Proud, ne 100% never faker. Never I, either. I'm just I, like, you know what? I'm good. I don't want one tonight. Let's just take care of you. I would right. rather be honest. Like, I don't want the pressure of having to like pretend. And have you, Sunny, no. I, know that, I know that we need to wrap up, but have there been times when you're like, should I just fake it? And then like, nope, never. Yep. Like, have you? Yeah. I, I'm yeah. like, you know what? The ego stroke for him is not worth it. He will be happier long-term if I am just completely Exactly, honest. but a and lot of- And then you can go back and be like, you know what? It was all about you last time. Let's just start with me, you know? So I, exactly. I don't understand why women do that. Like it serves no one in the end. Well, it serves men because women, a lot of women think their job on earth is to make life more comfortable for men and children. Well- Even in the fucking even, bedroom. Yeah, it's I mean, true. There we go, right? It so, does, it starts with breaking down, like you said, your own expectations of yourself sometimes. Abs absolutely, and really taking a look at like this societal stew that we all cooked in, right? Mm -hmm, that say mm -hmm. these things about sex for men and these things about sex for women and these things about marriage and just going, wait a minute, what assumptions am I just operating under when I should ask myself, wait, is that true for me? Or do I want that to be true in my family and this mm -hmm. marriage that I'm creating? Um, yeah, it's just about bringing more intentionality, honestly. Yeah. Really, really honest conversations in and outside the bedroom. And that's the real taboo in swing is like the honest conversations I had with my husband and my Greek mother-in-law. And those are the parts that are the most shocking mm -hmm. that, wow, she actually said that thing. Cause you know, we all have those things where, that we feel like I could never say that. Mm -hmm. This is what I want for people is for people to start saying the things that they never think they could say, because it's like a portal open, Sunny. When you say mm -hmm. that thing, you're mm -hmm. now in, you're not in the before times anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Like a whole new, it's like a whole new set slides in and it's just, it's a new, it's a new world. It's a new opportunities. I love it. Okay. Two final questions very quickly before we wrap. Do after living through what you've lived through, going through your experiences, do you believe in soulmates? And, and what is it that couples who are genuinely happy, happy together have or do right? Okay. I don't believe in soulmates. I don't, I do believe in like kind of fate and karmic connections and contracts, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but not necessarily that they have to last a whole lifetime. And actually maybe I think, um, because in my meditations, I actually have uh, memories from past lives that come up a lot. I think actually, like there are things we need to do in this lifetime, and then maybe we're meeting up with that person in another lifetime to like get some other business done. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it. We're never done, and it's okay. It's okay. Like we just do the work that we can do um, each day. But I think that people are, who are really happy in relationships. I think the number one thing is that they are willing to be influenced by their partner. They don't care who's right and who's wrong. They just care what is right. Ah, what is I right for us? Mm -hmm. What's right for us in this moment? And even if it's not feeling like it's free, just hear them out. Let them tell you their reality, right? Yeah. And just listen, listen, listen. Like, right. And, and listen, there's nothing you can say that can't be gone, that you can't back up. Like people are so afraid of the power of their words or giving mm. ourselves too much credit. Say mm. the thing, like the world will not, like 
the ground will not split open and right. swallow you. But a right. lot of us have a very a visceral fear about being truthful and that it's not safe. Mm -hmm. And just just pushing that limit a little bit because we really need to be more honest if we want to be happier. Yeah, I love that. Okay, one final super quick question. Is it true that swingers have pineapple doormats? <laughs> no, we have apps for that. No, I don't think I don't think that people do the pineapple yeah. thing. You know, the, the I just heard that the other day and I was like this is a thing. I mean, I don't, I don't A lot of people ask me that. Or those... if you carry a pineapple in like the front of your shopping cart. And it's like, no, people don't have to like pick up other swingers at the grocery store. But let me tell you this. Let me just stop here. Swingers are everywhere. We've been to clubs in cities all around the world. Hundreds and hundreds of people there every night. The first club we ever went to in Philly, 8,000 members. What? Like, Sunny, it is a lot of people do this, whether it's just for the atmosphere and then to just come home and have incredible sex with their partner or to just have like a little flirting or touching on the dance floor and then something with their partner or whether it's really a part, like whether they're actually interacting with other people. On a, what I want people to know is that the kinks, the taboos, the like, no one is alone. You and a thousand other people in your freaking town. Like, it's really... It's crazy. I like to sit and think, like, who could it be, you know? <laughs> and not from a place of judgment. Listen, I'm like, you do whatever it is that makes you feel happy and fulfilled. But it is interesting. And it's always the people that seem to have, like, the strongest reactions against this. Like you said, people raised in maybe an uber-traditional atmosphere that are like, oh, I would never. I'm like what are you really doing behind closed doors? Because you wouldn't be that strongly opposed to it if right? you weren't. You know, like there's something Whenever there. something, yes. Whenever you have a very big reaction to something, that mm -hmm. is your cue or clue. And this is something that in swing, Sunny, when, I, when we left the lifestyle and I was like, oh my gosh, how do I put my life back together? Mm -hmm. What I started doing was doing the thing I most judged other women for doing. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And that, wow. Because here's the thing. When you judge someone else for what they're doing, what you think is you are a superior person who wouldn't do that kind of thing. Like if you dig down just like one level, you're going right. to get there. Okay. And then you have to ask yourself, wow, is my goodness, is my worth really dependent on me doing that or not doing that? Mm -hmm. if, if it is, then I'm in big fucking trouble. So I just started, it was like a game of chicken with the universe. Mm. This thing that I thought was going to make me a horrible person. Let me do it. Let mm -hmm. me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. And it's like, oh my God, I think I'm still the person I am. I don't think my worth as a human is actually related to any of these external factors. Mm -hmm. But we always make it about external factors. And we make it about external factors even that we think are so good. Like, I'm such a good mom. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm such a good marriage. It's like we really hang our hat on these external things that could go away in a minute. Or could we could have something. Like, we can have the rug pulled out from under us. So we just yeah. need, we need a deeper knowing and a stronger, we need to know what it feels like to be in integrity. Even when the whole world is like, right. what you're doing is awful, you have to go, no, there's something, I, I, I know that I'm supposed to be doing this, even right. if no one understands. Right, right. Well, you do such a great job on social media and all of your presence, presences, I guess, through the book and online of making this like really crazy lifestyle or experience just, you know, accessible. And even if someone is not 
planning on doing that, just hearing a crazy story from someone who lived what you lived. It's just so cool to, uh, you're a great follow on Instagram. And I think you have great advice for couples too. I'm so grateful, Ashley, you spent some time with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And tell us quickly before we go where to find you on both social media. And of course, your book Swing is on Amazon. We know we can find it there. But anything else coming up where we can connect with you? Yeah, so I have Swing and I have Keeping It Hot, the workbook. Which oh, is okay, a great. really fun workbook you can work through with your partner, opening up conversations in and outside the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really fun ways. Like, just like think of them as like icebreakers, icebreakers, icebreakers. Like, because we get in the same routines, right? Um, mm-hmm. Come say hi to me on Instagram. Tell me that you saw me on Sunny's show. I would love to say hi. So I'm Ashley Renard on Instagram. Ashley with all the extra letters A S H L E I G H. Um, and my podcast is Keeping It Hot with Ashley Renard. Ashley, thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sunny. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. 